Season's greetings, everybody. This is Unprofessional. I am Dave Wiskus, joined uh, closer than ever, I think, by my friend Lex Friedman. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, we've been in person when we've done the show, but yes, closer than ever when recording remotely. No, I meant, I meant emotionally. <laughs> I walked right into it. And we're also joined today, once again, also closer than ever, by uh, Casey Liss. Hello. Wasn't he just on the show? I know. I felt. I feel like we we just had him on uh, last week, right? <laughs> Something like that. No, last week you're thinking of Jonathan Colton and John Flansburg. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. But if you listen, if you, once you have the Colton Flansburg duo on an episode, you've got to find a way to you know surpass it. And the yeah, way how do you is follow that. You invite the biggest uh, star from Accidental Tech Podcast, and that's what we've done. Yeah, clearly. I, I don't think that's really up for debate. Well, no, they they both said no, and so then. <laughs> hi casey how are you i'm good how are you guys i'm good i'm good I'm, i'd big, say i'm I'm solid you have big christmas plans casey uh, a little bit of travel and that's coming up in a few days so getting a little stressed about getting the gifts taken care of getting all the last minute stuff for, for work and around the house taken care of but looking forward to it i'm actually heading up in your guys's general direction where will you be uh, my parents are in Western Connecticut, almost in New York state. So we'll be heading up. All there. Right, we'll hang out. Sounds good. Are, are you going to stop in and say hi? Uh, you know, we do intend to make a trip to Manhattan at some point, And I don't know if you consider that a second world or not, but if we have the time, I, you will certainly be one of the first to know. I'm not going to tell uh, Lex because sure. really I don't want any Jersey smells anywhere mm-hmm. near me. Well, Lex also wouldn't <laughs> come up to Manhattan. So it, it right. matter. That's, that's like a whole hour on the bus each way, man. Come on. Oh, there are terrible. Limits. Do you do your Christmas shopping like on Amazon or do you go to stores? A little bit of both. Um, I don't go to stores. We try to do, we try to do as much as we can on online, but certainly there are instances, especially if you're a procrastinator like I am, that you have to do things in store or pay for, you know, heinously expensive shipping. I I finally just yesterday asked my mom for a, a Christmas list. So that's, that's where I am with holiday shopping. Nice. See, I was I was done before Thanksgiving. I had to get all my Hanukkah presents bought for the family before I went on vacation, and so I'm just done. Yeah, Ha-ha, but that's boys. it's it's not apples to apples because Hanukkah was like eight months ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it, it lasts it lasted for eight months, which is the miracle of Hanukkah, right? Well, it no, was because they, they, the the oil lasted for eight months, right? Exactly. Now, let me ask you, Lex, is Hanukkah at the Friedman house like it was at the Liss house, which is to say you get one legit present on the first night and then school supplies and socks the rest of the day? No, 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 no. (laughs) Now, growing up for me, it was, you know, you got one or two bigger presents and then some smaller presents, but it was never like socks or school supplies. Like the the, the worst night would be a sweater, but it would would all be toy quality. uh, Wait, wait, so... Is is it tradition that you get the the good present first or the shitty present? First? In my family and for my kids, you don't have any idea because they just pick which one they're going to open. So sometimes they go for the biggest first, some go for the smallest first. But oh. they just there's eight presents already out, and you just pick the one you want to open that night. Now, when they're this young, we can sometimes pick for them too. So if we See, know one's going to open the Batman set, then we'll have the other one open the Batman book. So there's like a theme night all of a sudden. See, I would have imagined that you want to set it up so that uh, you you open seven crappy gifts building up to the big gift. Although I guess if it's like a year where a video game console comes out, you can't really get a game (laughs) one night and not know that you're getting the console the next night. Right, right. I, uh, how do you guys feel about Secret Santas? 
I don't think I've ever participated in that, and it sounds kind of terrible to me. I I think that uh, Santa should be open. <laughs> I um, so the family just gets bigger and bigger, right? I'm not helping on, in that regard, but <laughs> the. <laughs> Well, I've got some advice, Lex. It used to be... Yeah, just cross your legs. Yeah, like five, six years ago, it would be that everybody got everybody else gifts at this. You know, there's a couple non-Jewish people in my extended family. So we'll go to, you know, one house on Christmas Eve and everybody would exchange presents. And it became like you spend $1,000 on that evening to get a present for every person in attendance. So finally, we said, let's switch this to a Secret Santa thing. But the problem is there's like the core of people who I know and like and, you know, consider family. And then like people who even it's all on my wife's side. So people who Lauren doesn't even really know or have a relationship with. And when you do the secret sand and you get like Aunt Gazelda, whom you know nothing about, it sucks. (laughs) And so this year uh, my sister-in-law was in charge and the, the secret Santa system that she used online had a secret rigging mechanism. So you could say only let these people choose from this pool and these people choose from this pool. So now I'm okay with secret Santas again. Wow. So you're taking something that's supposed to be innocent and random and making it completely, uh, fit. Oh, I'm the worst. Yes. Yes. Okay. Happy holidays. Thank you. (laughs) White elephants, by the way, white elephants, way better than secret Santa. I don't like doing any of this shit. (laughs) The whole gift giving (laughs) gift receiving thing. When I was a kid, I loved it. And as a grown up, I just hate it. It's shit. I got to buy it. Shit. I got to think about. And there's this period in the year where I'm not supposed to buy things because other people might buy them for me. And it's just, I don't know. It's a nightmare. You know, and to to kind of put a after point on that and to have the world's biggest first world problems, (laughs) I was whining to Aaron the other day because, you know, we're very, we're all very lucky, both, both families. And for the most part, we're all getting older now. I mean, lucky. Aaron, you mean your wife or do you mean? Correct. Yeah. Sorry. Aaron Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Burr. No, uh, I'm talking about my wife, Aaron. And so I was talking your reference. <laughs> thank you. I was uh, I was talking to her about how you know a lot of us, you know, most of our siblings are adults now, and so for the most part, if we want or need something, we'll go ahead and get it. And so it makes Christmas and Hanukkah shopping really, really, really tough because you're you're trying to find a unique and and worthwhile gift, which I actually really do enjoy giving a gift if I think it's good. Right. But then the closer you get to the holidays, the more desperation sets in and the shittier the gifts get. And then it's just like going through the motions. And in that sense, Dave, I completely agree with you. It's just it's very frustrating. Yeah. At what point are you thoughtlessly combing through somebody's uh, Amazon wish list or uh, the dollar store? (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's what I don't like about my own family's my side is that everybody has an Amazon wish list and that's the rule. And everybody just buys shit for all the other people on my side of the family from their wish lists. And it's like, well, why don't we all just go shopping for ourselves and forget about it? And it's because it's pretty stupid, right? If you're going to buy me exactly the things I say I want that I really do want, it seems dumb that everybody else is going to do it in, you know, $30 increments. And uh, I have to do the same for all of you. It's just more effort, right? Just order it and know when you're going to get it. Stupid, right? Stupid. I'm going to end up with the same stuff and I'm going to spend roughly the same amount of money that I was going to spend to get that stuff. Yeah. What we've introduced here is uh, layers of social awkwardness and me needing to make sure that my reaction is appropriate, which is a, <laughs> a, a nightmare for, for me. And uh, inconvenience of waiting. So we've concluded on Unprofessional that the holidays suck. Well, no, I love, I really love Christmas. <laughs> I really love Christmas, but it's not the gift giving. The only person I do the gift stuff with is my mom. 
I've, I've managed to cut everybody else in my life out of the gift exchanging process. And I'm really happy about that because I figure I'm an adult and I can buy my own shit. And sometimes if something strikes me, I'll buy a gift for somebody else, but it's, it's very much in the vein of doing this because I wanted to, or because I thought of something, not because I feel like I need to for the holiday. But what I do, are you sorry, go ahead. What I do love about Christmas is the getting like all that cliche stuff that I didn't understand from from like Hallmark commercials when I was a kid. People getting together, having a meal, spending time, enjoying each other's company. That's the stuff I really do like about Christmas. Going and looking at lights or eating Christmas dinner together. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like Hanukkah, <laughs> except there's even more lights. Oh, okay. Well, actually, building on that, so I'm from Richmond, Virginia, or I'm living in Richmond, Virginia. I'm from the Northeast. And so in Richmond, I don't know, like 20 years ago, it became a thing to do what we call tacky lights. And I don't know the exact origin story, but suffice it to say, there are probably 50 or 100 houses throughout the greater Richmond area that put up tens upon tens of thousands of Christmas lights on their own house. And so what's become a thing is what they call the tacky light tour. And typically what happens is you rent a limo and (laughs) you and your friends get in the limo. Typically you bring a cooler and you drive or get driven around drinking, looking at all the Christmas lights. And it sounds kind of weird and stupid on paper, but oh my gosh, it's so much fun. And so uh, Aaron and myself and a few friends did that a few weeks ago in I got to tell you, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> well, see, I'm, I'm white trash, so we used an SUV or, or uh, you know, worst case, a hatchback instead of a limo. But yeah, that's that's what I did all the time. Well, yeah, and to that end, so we've done the limo a couple times. I've done the Tacky Light Tour maybe five or ten times. Never even occurred and, to me to do a limo. Well, and that's the thing is that we've done limo like twice, and this particular year, what we did was we compromised since there were six of us and we didn't feel like spending all the money for a limo. And so instead we had Aaron drive us because she volunteered to drive us around in a minivan that we rented. And so it was her sober driving and then everyone else <laughs> drinking in the back. Is that legal? Uh, it's of dubious legality. From what I gather, it's legal. However, it's assumed that the driver is the one consuming beverages unless you can prove really, really, really well that he or she isn't. So it's dubious. Wow. I mean, so well, I would say don't do that at home, kids. Yeah. I think the whole freaking setup is dubious. I can look out the door and see some freaking lights. All right, done. Next holiday. I really am like a total You're a real party. Animal. I'm a total Jew right? on Christmas, though. We add, I get Chinese food every year, and if I don't have Chinese food, do I'm you angry. seriously? Yeah. Yeah, the kosher Chinese oh, food place God. does its best business. I like. I I think that's their Black Friday, is you know, oh holy that's night racist. day, and yeah, <laughs> and they um, I mean, it's there are so many beards and yarmulkes in the kosher Chinese restaurant on Christmas. I feel like the goy there because I'm the least observant Jew in the room, um, and they're all like, hey, th- I guess this Christian guy's dinner didn't get ready in time. Christmas hands that the <laughs> thing. I don't know. That's what they are assuming, I guess. But uh, yeah, if I don't have like sesame beef. By the time the carols ring the doorbell, carolers ring the doorbell, that I'm good. By the way, I don't know if either of you have ever caroled, but no, I um, no. I, I may have done it ironically. I think when I was a kid, I think they skip our house because of the mezuzah, or maybe because of the lack of you know Christmas lights on the house or something. And I I don't know that for a fact, but I have never had carolers ring the doorbell, and I think that must be why. You're enunciating that word in a weird way. Well, when I said carolers. The first time I <laughs> fucked it up, and as I did just now, so I have to say carolers slowly, or I can't say the it. carols. The the people who sing the carols, carolers. Gotcha. 
Uh, I don't ever get care. Well, I mean, I've lived in apartments for the last however long, so it's not like I, I would anyway. Do you, I don't even get trick or treaters. I was going to ask. We do get trick or treaters. Weirdly, they all sing about Christmas and they come on the wrong day. I don't get what it is. You know, I'm wondering if uh, next year I'm going to get trick or treaters living in Manhattan. I mean, because everybody here lives in an apartment, so you you got to work something out, right? Right. My mom used well, to trick or treat door be... to door in the apartment. Do people yeah, from New York? Awesome. Do people from New York just go out to the suburbs to trick or treat? <laughs> Why would you? Because if you're at a apartment uh, building, then you just go door to door, and it's what five steps between each door. That's incredible density for your candy uh, acquisition purposes. That's I, fantastic. I agree. Well, moving between buildings, I guess, could be a thing. But I mean, think of all the time that you don't spend out in the cold. Even better. Yeah, I, I think it sounds good. here in New Jersey. You know, when we had Hurricane Sandy last year. They canceled Halloween. Eventually, they postponed it to like November 4th or something uh, because apparently Governor Christie's allowed to do that now. But I was thinking if you lived in an apartment building, there'd be no freaking reason to cancel it, right? You just stay in the building and go from door to door. What yeah, a value. That would be weird. Yeah. So this is uh, this episode of Apartment Living is brought to you by Halloween. So, Dave, how are you liking New York? Speaking of apartment living, I, I nice love New segue. York. This guy knows how to podcast. Am I right? Right. Way to go! I love New York. I am. I'm really, really digging being here. Even, <laughs> even the moments where I, I don't know, like I just don't have anything planned, or I get bored, or or whatever. I figure, at worst case, if I have a night where I'm bored and lonely, I'm bored and lonely in New York. Yeah, you could do worse. There's the other shit I could go do. I can go find now, some stuff to look at or whatever. And you're in Manhattan? Yeah, yeah, Lower East Side. Well, good for you. I assumed you were in like one of those other boroughs. No, no. <laughs> I didn't I didn't move all the way across the country to go to New York to not be in the real New York. Oh, that that's that's very scandalous to to I imply know, that the I other know. boroughs are not real. Well, uh, I think that different boroughs sort of serve different purposes. And to me, Manhattan is like the canonical New York. It is, it's whenever, whenever there's a disaster movie that's, that uh, like the aliens are attacking New York, they don't hit Brooklyn. <laughs> this is true. Independence that Day, that ship didn't fly over Staten Island. No, it did I not. I don't know when people um, learn what the different... Areas, I don't know, boroughs, boroughs, neighbors, hoods of New York are, because I have no idea what it means when you say the Lower East Side. I never know. Uh, well, so the boroughs are the like geographic things. Okay. So there's Staten Island, which is detached from the rest of New York entirely. There's Manhattan, which is the main island, the Bronx above that. Uh, and then Queens and Brooklyn, which are sort of part of the Long Island lump over on the, the right. <laughs> the Long Island tumor, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's all it's it's one landmass. It's kind of got that uh, Asia Europe thing going on, where somehow it got split up. I feel like I'm forgetting a borough, but I think that's uh, there's five. No, of them. that was that, that was five. Right. I counted. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, and then the neighborhoods that that's when you get into like this re- level of refinement that's just absurd, but historically interesting. Like the the Lower East Side, I just found out was like a, a, a huge immigrant magnet. Back in the ladies, the, the, yeah, <laughs> to the to the point where they they had to uh, pass. I think it was a law stating that uh, uh, apartment buildings must have windows. Wow, because it was so it was so popular for immigrants to come in that people were just throwing up buildings to just shove people into. Wow, 
and it was very common in in the days when uh, people were making their money by working for like factories and things like that, or or doing textile manufacturing. People would do those jobs from home. So I feel like I'm continuing the grand tradition of Lower East Side uh, immigrants working from home. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's good. I mean, I'm I'm an immigrant to the city, not to the the, the country, obviously, but. Fair enough. Now, have you done all the touristy New York things either since you've moved back or in the past? You had to get those uh, done before you moved there, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I figured like the Empire State Building and and all that, like the stuff that you have to do before you move here. Otherwise, it's weird. But the loophole is that people will be coming out to visit all the time. Sure, sure. So like when when I came out, uh, my my friend Nick Arnott drove out with me, and so he uh, when we got here, one of the first things we did is we went to Central Park. And I got to show nice. and I'd only I'd like walked through it briefly, but I hadn't really done a tour of Central Park. So we we did a walk through Central Park. And that was like my Central Park experience, and I got to play it off like I'm just here with my friend. Nice. Now, have you done? Are there are there touristy things that that even natives can do? What I'm thinking of is, for example, the High Line, which I've been to a couple times and I really enjoyed. And that that at the time I was there, it was kind of not terribly well known and, and kind of cool. And now look at me going all hipster. Now everyone knows about it. And it's <laughs> perhaps less cool, but can you go to the High Line as a native and not feel weird? Uh, my attitude on all of this is, uh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> like I've, I'm going to, I'm going to do New York the way I feel like doing New York. And I guess there's, uh, there's things I'd feel weird about. Like I've, I've got a New York state driver's license now. So I might feel a little bit strange going to the Statue of Liberty by myself, but for the most part, I just kind of don't care. Like, I'm a grown-up, and I get to decide what that means. Yeah, you do. Now, the High Line, I'm just guessing, is this like a monorail system? <laughs> Actually, no. It's a very interesting story. So it it is a public park, but once upon a time, and Dave, interrupt me when you're ready, it was a elevated train that went to the Meatpacking District, and then the train stopped going because the Meatpacking District kind of wasn't really a thing anymore, and the the elevated tracks just kind of went into disrepair. And I guess a community group just got it in their heads one day several years ago. You know what? Let's make a park out of this. And they raised a shitload of money, and that's what they did. Wow. And so it's this really beautiful park that's elevated above the streets in, what is it, the Lower West Side, I believe? Uh, and Yeah, um, yeah lower-ish. <laughs> you would know better than me at this point. But anywho, so the point being, it's this really neat park that that it's not central park. So not as many people have heard of it and it, it's really unbelievably beautiful in the nice weather. Although right now I, w- I would assume it'd be freaking cold. I'm mostly just white. I haven't been over there yet. I did go to the standard at the end of the Highline, but uh, was just kind of looking out over the city. Didn't really do the, mm-hmm. the, um, the only lower East side, uh, landmarks, I guess that I know are Katz's delicatessen. Yeah, just a few like a good Jew, which is not actually kosher, right? It's kosher style, so Jews can't really kosher Jews can't eat there. Um, kosher style. It's, that's true, by the way. It's, it's, the, kosher style has its own Wikipedia entry, so you know it's legit. But so yeah, kosher Jews can't eat at Katz's Deli, and then uh, Yona Schimmel's Knish Bakery that I would say kosher Jews can eat at. So make, now make you, sure you don't keep that. kosher though, right? Uh, I have a kosher house. Oh, you do. Yeah. So wait, so you don't even eat bacon? Oh, no, no, no. So now if you're my parents... He didn't say he was kosher. This is the right time to stop okay, listening. Okay. But no, I, I, I do not keep kosher personally. The house is kosher so that I'm kosher effectively inside the house. Although for lunch day, I had takeout Chinese from the non-kosher Chinese restaurant. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I eat plenty of bacon. I mean, I have a lot of... I have years of not eating bacon to make up for because I didn't have bacon until I was like 25. 
Now, okay, so let, let me explore that a little Please. bit. What was your first bacon eating experience? Uh, there, there are two sort of firsts that I would identify. Um, are we still talking about bacon? Yeah. The, my okay. very first bacon experience was at summer camp. And uh, I asked the, the cafeteria server person, you know, is this beef fry? Because beef fry is what kosher Jews sometimes would get instead of bacon. It's a, a cow-based product of some sort that's bacon-esque. And he's beef, like, beef fry? Yeah. Okay. And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, all right, it's good enough for me. And I knew that it wasn't. I only had one piece <laughs> and I felt terrible. Um, I mean, I didn't feel terrible physically. I felt terrible like God was going to kill me. And then <laughs> on no, on uh, the way every child should feel. On J- right. July 18th, 1998, I celebrated the first annual non-kosher day uh, because my parents were away. And so I went to Philadelphia, <laughs> had a Philly cheesesteak. Um I had a, a cheeseburger with bacon from one of the fast food establishments and I had some Kentucky fried chicken, uh, but I didn't have the bacon on its own. So the first time I had bacon on its own, I would have been in my mid twenties. Good God. That's terrible. You do have a lot of bacon you have but to, now, to when, make up for lost Whenever time. I travel though, uh, with just my wife, no, not when I'm traveling with my parents, which I never do, but if I'm traveling with my wife, I, I have had bacon all over the world. I would consider myself a bacon <laughs> world tourist. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Would uh, with with be, being a person who eats bacon, would you say that uh, you're okay doing the bacon tourism thing at home, or or do you, do you shy <laughs> away from that because you're afraid of the steak? <laughs> I'll eat bacon anywhere. My parents aren't. Okay. Nice. I, I my parents and I have this silent understanding where I know that they know in their hearts that I'm not kosher, but they refuse to allow their brains to know. So I eat kosher style in front of them. The other thing about the the, the tourism deal is uh, because of my schedule, because I don't have like a, a nine to five job I have to go to. I've also realized that I get to do things in New York that I think most like normal people don't. Like I keep uh, uh, I got uh, last week I had tickets to The Daily Show. Or a ticket to The Daily Show because I can just do that. I mean, it's not the easiest thing in the world to get tickets, but it's Humble not brag. like I'm. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I lucked out. I went on the website and they had one day, one ticket was all they had and so i grabbed it although i didn't end up getting to go oh so you kept somebody else from going way to go no uh before the show you're supposed to line up even if you have a ticket you're supposed to line up to get your ticket uh okay like they yeah they they make sure that place is full they do uh, i'm sure a great job of that but no i had a small problem and was not able to attend the the taping of the daily show with john stewart do you want to get into what the problem was Remember uh, a few months ago after WWDC, I told a story involving um, a hotel room. Oh, geez. The, the, and some the vomit-laden hotel room? Right, right. So this is not, there's no vomit in this story. Mm, this is the story you tweeted about. Yeah. Can I can yeah. I try to tell the story from what I know based on one tweet alone? No, no, no. Because for anybody who didn't read the tweet, I want. Oh, I, want, I see. There's, there's a dramatic yeah. retelling that we're going to have happen here. Right. So what I remember was uh, John Gruber was up in town. He was going to an Instagram thing the next day. So uh, we we go out, we meet up with some people, we're drinking, and then we go to dinner, and we're drinking, and then we're out (laughs) drinking and drinking. And I got back home about uh, 3.30 in the morning. Not super late, but not super early. And I, I felt fine. I didn't even think I was that drunk. And I guess at one point, maybe it was probably all the alcohol. My stomach was upset. So in the middle of the night, I wake up. And what I remember 
was getting up and walking into the bathroom to get some Tums or something to, to settle my stomach. And then I remember uh, waking up and thinking, wow, I'm so drunk that I thought it was a good idea to lay down and take a nap on the bathroom floor. <laughs> nice. And, and so I get up and I just go back to bed. And I remember as I'm leaving, like I see something on the shower curtain and I'm like, what the hell? And I decide, you know what? I'm, I'm fucked up. I'm just going to, I'll investigate in the morning. I'm sure it's fine. So I, I go to bed and I, I go back to sleep. Over the course of the remainder of the morning, remainder of the evening, I'm, I'm waking up every hour or so because my neck is just super sore. And I'm like, what, what did I sleep on it wrong? It must have been because I was like sleeping on the bathroom floor or something. And uh, finally, it's like noon. And I'm I'm like trying to stretch my neck out a little bit as I'm waking up, and I reach back to like to, to rub my neck, and as I do, I feel the back of my head, and it's kind of sore and sticky. That's probably not good. And I immediately like like just dart out, like I grab my glasses, dart out of bed, run straight to the bathroom, and and turn on the light. And my reaction to what I saw was to literally out loud say, "Oh my god." I walk in to find my sink broken in half and uh, a a blood spot on my shower curtain with a trail of blood running down to a pool of blood on the floor. Awesome. Yeah. So you you got a good night. Uh, uh, Apparently. So what I pieced together, (laughs) I mean, as soon as 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 I... Yeah. <laughs> when I saw the when I saw the scene, when I walk in and I see the scene, I immediately realized that the reason by that you know it, it's pretty obvious what happened at least functionally that that put me in the the state that I was in. But the best I can figure is I'd gone in to get uh, something to to calm my stomach and just passed out while I was standing there, and on the way down clipped the the corner of the the counter breaking the counter slash sink setup and then hitting the back of my head on the edge of the tub and given the the pooling of blood and I'm no forensic scientist here I did not bring in a CSI team but just looking at this I'm guessing I must have been laying there bleeding for like an hour you know this is actually coming upon the point of not being funny anymore and actually being legitimately scary uh, it was very legitimately scary in that moment. This wasn't a, oh my God, this is hilarious. This was, oh my God, am I going to die? Or should I have died? Like, this freaked me the fuck out. Right. So not the sort of thing where you thought, ooh, I should get my camera. <laughs> I did take a picture, but not until later. But you didn't Instagram uh, the picture. Uh, I figured that would be kind of uncool. I mean, Instagram, in theory, caused the picture in its own way. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a, a good way. point. That's a good point. Well, I mean, I don't want to blame them for, for my drink. I didn't think it was that I was that drunk. I think that it was just like a combination of events. And it, it's not like I'm concerned about this because this happens all the time. But, uh, you know, any anytime I, I drink to excess and then almost die, that's a cause for concern. Now, are all of these times associated with Gruber, or is that just an accidental thing? That's the weird thing. They are. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to do a new show together called Accidental Death Podcast. All right. Every time I've been like so drunk that something awful has happened to me, it's been when I've been drinking with John. Yeah. He's the cop. You know, it's almost like there's a lesson to be learned there. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
it's funny because um, I've had the pleasure of hanging out with John a handful of times, and humble and brag. One of those. Uh, <laughs> fine. <laughs> fine. Well, the funny thing about it is, I, I'm not sure he would have any idea who the hell I was if I if who if does I, I saw him on the street. I know who does. But anyway, the point being, like one at WWDC, for example, uh, Marco and John and I, uh, John Sarkis and I went out with a handful of other peoples, including Gruber, and uh, and we were having some drinks at the table, and then we went to I forget some bar afterwards, and it's funny the reason I bring all this up is because I think of myself as a pretty decent drinker and compared to most of the people I associate with, I can, I can handle my, my booze. Okay. But then I see someone like Gruber and I realize I am barely in the amateur category. I'm more in like the newborn category. If there's such a thing, because there are people that just really know how to drink. And I, I, I forget that I am not one of them. You're a drunk baby. Something like that. I think that's what I just concluded. And it's not like I had six drinks and I was trash. And it's not like I spent you know, five hours pounding every last drop of alcohol I could find. That just, you remember. <laughs> I, I remember the entire... The only thing I don't remember is the time I was uh, I spent unconscious up against my bathtub. <laughs> you, know, you know, Casey complained to me before we started our recording session today, because since we are recording this episode during the daytime, uh, he and he doesn't object to day drinking. But he was mad that he can't drink during this recording session because he's got to run errands later. So uh, this is true. I apologize. I too would to, like to drink. He has to run errand later. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that as well. I I, uh, I too drink. You know, to get through unprofessional. But it's yeah. During the day, it's harder, especially because it's a work day. It, for me, it's just that I'm not doing a lot of drinking right now. <laughs> Every once in a while, you do a cleanse. It, in in my defense, like we started drinking at five p.m. and we went till three. Like that's that's a pretty solid run, and I think it's more just the the drinking over time kind of caught up with me or something. It it wasn't. That's not a normal night by any stretch. Now, do you have do you have any particular strategies for uh, endurance drinking? Like, are you a I'm going to have a water every X number of drinks, or are you a perhaps I'm sticking with vodka all night and I'm not going to mess around, or was it just a free for all in this particular instance? Uh, I I tend to go uh, water for alcohol, like a one to one for every drink. I have a glass of water, uh, and I also stay a, as far away as I can from martinis. <laughs> because you enjoy them too much, or because they screw with you too much? Because it only takes really one. And if I'm gonna be, if I'm, if I'm in it to be drinking for a while, uh, I I need to like, you know, let's keep things settled down. For me, I, I gotta, <laughs> I I know now to avoid gin and tonics at open bars because I can just drink and I drink a lot of soda if I'm drinking soda. Although I've mostly given it up now, but if I have one diet coke, I really have twenty diet cokes. And I found that I was the same with gin and tonics, which wasn't always healthy. <laughs> but I'll tell you what is healthy, Casey and Dave. Are you ready for this? I am so ready. Uh, I'm not ready. When you, well, when you're out, whether drinking or not, there's an easy way to stay entertained. I'm going to tell you what it is. Yeah, drinking. It's Well, <laughs> while you're drinking and you're like, shoot, I'm out here drinking, but there's incredible television on my TV at home. <laughs> I have an answer. Slingbox is the only way to take your entire television experience with you wherever you go. So when you're drunk at the bar, you can watch TV. Only Slingbox, Dave, can deliver all of your live TV channels and what's recorded on your DVR wherever you are, in the office, at a cafe, or out doing errands, NDS, it <laughs> says right there in the copy, or drinking with John Gruber. Many say they can give you your TV anywhere, but check the fine print. 
Some only work on Wi-Fi. Others only do a small subset of channels. Many apps have blackouts and most of them don't work internationally. None of that applies to Sling. Sling has- Some of them don't work on the moon. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> Sling now has this great app, the Sling Player. There's versions for both iPad and iPhone. Uh, the apps are awesome. The app has this way of finding shows that's better than any remote you've ever used. It connects to Twitter and Facebook so you can see what other people are saying about the show too. And if you're a sports fan, you can get live stats of the game you're watching as you're watching it. See, that almost makes me wish I cared about sports. That's a pretty cool feature. And yeah, and it's uh, it's it, it kind of like video gamifies it a little bit because when you're playing the video game football, you get the stats and stuff in real time all the time. It does the same thing. It's not a Roku. It's not an Apple TV, but it makes them better because with a Slingbox and a Sling Player app, you can watch live TV on those devices. They should turn on voice chat too. So while you're watching the, the video gamified football, you can also listen to 12 year old screaming at you. <laughs> to complete the video game experience. I get it. Exactly. It's a great way to watch TV on the road and at home. And when they say and at home, uh, this is what they mean. You're watching like live football Bathroom. game and you need to poop. You can keep watching. <laughs> Best of all there. And then what do you, what do you do after you poop? Uh, bidet. And then you go back to the main television, exactly. but you haven't missed a moment. But hey, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> and best of all, there are no monthly fees with Slingbox. All right, here's the deal. Slingbox has a special offer for unprofessional listeners. Go to slingbox.com slash unprofessional. You'll get $30 off your Slingbox plus free shipping. So again, it's slingbox.com slash unprofessional. Slingbox sent uh, me and sent Dave Slingboxes. And uh, I hooked mine up before I went to France. I used it while I was there. Uh, and it just, it does exactly what it is. I had a sling box a hundred years ago. I won a sling box. I've, so basically I've had two sling boxes and I've never paid for them, but I had a sling box a hundred years ago. And, um, you know, it was the old school one and it was great before they had apps. I think before the iPad even existed, uh, and it was cool for what it did. But when you look at the sling box in the modern era, it's crazy. You can watch from your computer. You can mess with people who are watching in the main room and change the channels on them. So it's, you know, it's fun in that way. Uh, but no, it's really, they're great. You know, it's funny after, uh, the last unprofessional, I, I saw that Slingbox sponsored that episode. And the first thing I did was I am Lex and tell him how jealous and upset I was that <laughs> you guys got sent free Slingboxes Cause I've always wanted one and I've always been too cheap to buy myself one. And now I don't need to be because of this excellent coupon code. But, uh, but I, I can only imagine how awesome it is. And I've also thought about perhaps getting one for my parents who live in the Northeast so I can watch my beloved New York Giants games down here in Virginia. But yeah, slingbox.com slash unprofessional to get the Casey List deal. 30 bucks off and free <laughs> shipping. Spoil yourself, Casey. You deserve this. I, I know, I do. But you never know. Maybe Santa will bring one. You never know. So here's a, a conundrum, speaking of Santa, that parents of Jewish children face. Hang on, I just want to call out the fact that this is not the first time that we wound up talking about poop during a sponsor <laughs> Maybe we should just reflect on that for a moment. We are what we are. But <laughs> I don't think I am. I don't talk about poop this much in my normal life. Oh, no, I save it for the podcast. <laughs> I save it for the podcast. You save the discussion or you save the act? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> But I, defecating with Lex Free. I do want to. I do want to <laughs> explain this this challenge the Jewish the parents of Jewish children face because my kids go to public school and they hear about Santa Claus and they want to know what's up and they want to know is Santa real and now they hear about the Elf on the Shelf 
and they want to know what's up with that. And if that's real, what is up with that. And so, well, so I tell my kids the truth. Um, that Santa hates them because they're Jews. No, I tell them the truth <laughs> that, you know, that Santa's not real, but that it's a, a secret and we don't tell the other kids because they can still believe in Santa. And so they're, they're, their mommies and daddies lie to them. Yeah. Now don't eat bacon. Right. And um, <laughs> uh, Jeff Carlson from Tidbits and a Macworld senior contributor, he gave me a much better idea for the elf on the shelf. His version was the MILF on the shelf and that I could get behind, so to speak. Oh, God. Oh, that's that's ridiculous. Now, why don't you just appropriate Santa but leave the whole Christmas part behind? Just so your kids fit in a little bit. <laughs> uh, because that would be that's stupid. That's also a terrible lesson to teach children. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take the good parts. Oh, you could have you could have Santa in a Hanukkah bush. Terrible. Terrible. Well, although I uh, we uh, we had brought a fake plant into the house the other day. Um and uh, my youngest saw it and he said, a Christmas tree. And I don't even know. Well, first of all, it's nothing like a Christmas tree. It's like a fake fern or something. But I have no idea how he knows what a Christmas tree is. I don't know where he learned it. TV or something. But the thing is, I control his TV. And I never have them watch the Christmas specials of their favorite shows because I don't want to answer the questions. <laughs> You're a terrible parent. Listen to you. Part, I mean, part of growing up. So I, my dad's Jewish. My mom's Catholic. So we weren't raised particularly religiously, but we recognized both Christmas and You Hanukkah, were circumcised by so, a priest, in other words? Uh, was I? I was well. It was mostly a priest wanting to touch a baby's penis, Joe. But you, let's just let's just okay. go with that. That was so. Th- that um, was good. I I wish it had been more obvious, but I'm with you now. There you go. <laughs> so so anyway, the uh, point I'm, the point I'm driving at is yeah, we got to see a little bit of both sides. I should have said over enthusiastic priest. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would have worked. That would have worked. That would have been a little better. Yeah, I was not with you when you landed. Anyway, so the point is, uh, so we got to watch like Rudolph and Frosty and all those different Christmas specials and the Claymation Christmas special, mm. which to this day is my favorite, even though like not a lot of people know what that is. And uh, pardon? With the raisins. Yes, exactly. See, thank you. Uh, and so it, it's th- that's part of the holiday season. I was going to say it's part of Christmas, but to me, it's part of the holiday season. It's It's sad that the poor Friedman children have no idea. Between that and the gut milk reference, it seems like our culture, our outdated cultural references are right in sync. <laughs> exactly. That's very true. I don't know, but if you want to continue being a shitty parent, Lex, have fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, uh, I welcome parental <laughs> criticism from the childless. Um, hey, exactly. Childless. That is actually my first yeah. name. Yeah, I got it. Uh-huh. <laughs> the um, I don't know. I mean, I, we talk about Christmas, and I, we explain to them. You know, if they see lights, we talk about how pretty they are. Like we're not down on Christmas per se. It's, you just pretend the lights aren't there, right? I just no. I mean, when they watch the Christmas specials and like there's going to be a Christmas miracle and Santa's going to show up and give gifts, I I can hold off their jealousy until like for the the older ones now really get it and they know because they go to public school. But I don't want the youngest one to be like, well, how come Santa Claus isn't visiting me and that whole thing? So I just avoid it. I avoid my problems. You, you don't love your kids enough to send them to private school? Uh, well, Liam's still in private school. Hence, he doesn't know about it. He goes to a, a synagogue's school. So there. But so you don't like the older ones? Right. Well, we live in a town with great public schools, is how I sleep at night. Full of Gentiles. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so is the whole freaking world, man. We've got to... Like, that's the part I need them to get used to. <laughs> Would you... Would you, if you could, prevent your children from ever interacting <laughs> with non-Jews? I'll tell you the truth. It's really the opposite. What I would really like to have is... Would you, if you could, would you send all of the non-Jews to some kind of like camps? 
Oh, I was waiting for See, it. That is what I would like is we need in my neighborhood or in my family, I don't know, but we need more gay friends and more black friends because we talk about <laughs> with my, t- my kids all the time how, you know, we're, we accept everybody and how it doesn't like, you know, if they, you know, sometimes you'll have a situation where one, the, where the youngest is like, I want to be the husband and he's going to be my husband. Like he, you know, if they're playing that they're married to me, which is a very common kid thing. Don't make it weird. Uh, he wants to be married to me and my girls will say, well, no, you can't marry him because he's a man. And then so we go back and explain, well, remember anybody can marry anybody they want in our state. Um, and, <laughs> but like, I can't show them because I don't have any gay friends right now at least not locally. So I need more local gay friends. So if somebody could get on that, that'd be great. You could uh, cruise Craigslist. <laughs> I'm sure nothing bad will come. Well, I, honestly, I have thought of this as an idea, but I don't understand why the, you know, the gay families or the black families or any other minority family that my white guilt family wants to meet and socialize with. <laughs> I don't know why they would sign up for this startup social network, like befriendwhitey.com. Like, I, just, I don't think it's going to work. Well, that way they get better access to like restaurants and, <laughs> oh, and stuff. Geez. Oh God! <laughs> oh, this is getting rough. Oh man. Yeah, I, I don't even know where to go yep. from here. I uh, I put my head on my desk. <laughs> they can sit at the same end of the bus as you. <laughs> I love that you're just doubling down on this, Dave. Oh goodness. I, I'm just well, saying there's an upside. <laughs> yeah, the relationship could work work both ways. Yes. Yes, it could. Wow. They could drive with you and not get pulled over. <laughs> Do gay people get pulled over a lot? <laughs> <laughs> well, then. I've never watched or listened to a podcast self-destruct as quickly and as, and as fully as we just did. I blame you, and Casey. I think it's your influence. Welcome to our last uh, how- episode. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, I'm the thing that changed. Right. So. It's, it's all my fault, you guys. I'm sorry. Not really. You've you've done the show before. What other uh, what other podcasts do you listen to, Casey? I know you you listen to a lot. I think you're probably one of my most avid podcast listening friends. Um, I don't feel like I listen to that many. Hold on, let me bust out Pod Wrangler. Um, I, I don't think I listen show. to that many. Let me bust out the app that I have to use to. <laughs> Oh, shush. Um, I listen to Amplified usually, but not always. Uh, Back to work. I've actually started listening to Bionic, which is extremely weird, but very funny. Uh, Command Space, uh, something called Create Virginia, which a coworker does. Corn Tuition, wow, this is a lot of them. Uh, Developing Perspective, IRL Talk, Just the Tip when it was still around. Uh, Mobile Couch, which is an Australian podcast about iOS development. Uh, The Prompt, the talk show in this. What what was the corn? Pardon? Corn. corn. Oh, corn tuition. Corn oh. intuition. It did sound like corn tuition the first time. Like, yeah. It's first. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I'm like, right. what the what the fuck? You're listening to shows about farming? No, actually, it was about the band. Oh, the K. I get it. Right. Mm. So I don't know. That's what is bad. that? Like 10 or 15? I, I think I got I, to I around 12 or 13, but my fingers can't always be trusted. I listened to Unprofessional. <laughs> Period. I used to listen to a lot of podcasts, but now I'm on the phone all day, so it's harder. I listen to podcasts on airplanes. And when you're on an airplane, what do you listen to? On an airplane, I listen to, uh, you know, I, 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 there's no shows that I listen to regularly, mostly because I don't, um, I don't have time to listen to them regularly right now. But, uh, you know, I will certainly dabble in some ATP and some talk show. And 
uh, you know, I like a lot of the comedy podcasts, many of which I now kind of also work for slash with, but you know, um, some of the comedy podcasts are genuinely very funny comedy bang bang or uh, Jeff Garland's show. Those are very funny shows. Now, do you feel any compulsion to listen to at least a handful of episodes of the, of the shows that you're selling ads for? Uh, yes. I mean, I, um, I listen to every show we add to the network before we add it. You know, the, we, we're not going to, even if your show has a billion listeners, if it's a crappy show, we don't want to sell it anyway. Um, so we listen to the new shows and, you know, I'll, you know, the thing is, the problem is I really like them, but I can't, I had this problem when I was writing for Macworld that I realized I couldn't listen to podcasts and work at the same time because I can't write and listen to people talk. Now I don't have to write all day, but I still have that problem because I'm on the phone so much that it's really hard to listen. So I will sometimes put up a podcast in the morning and then by the end of the day, I'm halfway through from, you know, unpausing at various times, but it's, it's tough. I have a hard time listening to a a conversation that is like happening with, like, I feel like a ghost. I feel like a dead person forced to spend all of eternity listening to other people talk. You don't like any podcasts you can't be on at that moment? <laughs> I don't like a feeling as if I'm a participant in a conversation that I'm not really a participant in. It's like, it's, it's, it's just real enough that I feel like I could interject or offer my thoughts, but it's recorded, so I can't. What you should do is just like a live podcast commentary track record yourself as you listen <laughs> and then make a remix. Like here's the, the whiskus cut of this week's ATP or whatever. How about, oh, how about you and me do a show where we listen to podcasts we've never listened to before? I like it. <laughs> Which actually I haven't had track. a chance. I haven't had a chance to listen to that yet because I, and I knew this was going to come up at some point. I want to, for the very first time I listened to it, I want to listen to what was it? Beverly Hills cop. Yeah. And I want to listen to the the live commentary version. And I suspect that all the other episodes, I'll just listen to the condensed uh, non-commentary version or non-live version. But I really wanted to watch Beverly Hills cop with, with you two yammering on in the background, which sounds terrible, but I actually think it would be really funny. And I haven't had the time to do that because we've been so busy with the holidays and everything well, else. I will so tell you that I'm hoping that, so. that show whose name we haven't mentioned, but I can't mention it myself. It seems too jerky, but it's, um, uh, it's, there's no canon to follow. So if you listened out of order and save the Beverly Hills cop one, I think it'd be okay. What um, is that show called? Not playing with Lex and Dan Morin the third. You guys, are, <laughs> you guys get married. Uh, no, no. Uh, we, we have sex, but we, we are not married. 